Welcome to Wildwood College Life of Wildwood Community Church in Norman. We are four following Jesus together to the glory of God. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Bible teaching, breakfast, and fellowship, and would love to see you there this week. Follow us on Instagram at Wildwood College for more information. And with that, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning, y'all. We are just so excited that each one of you is here today. If you don't know me, my name is Shanae Abernathy. And I'm Chris Abernathy. I'm Shanae's husband. Um, Shanae is on staff here, and we're super excited that Kevin asked us to come talk to you. I know a lot of y'all, for those who don't know us, I think we have a little picture yeah, of our little family there. Um, that's Shanae and I, and then the stinker in the middle, Dew, is our dog. He's a boxer. We're a boxer family. Um, and then we're also a foster family in that order. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love Elijah. He's eight years old. He's been with us for nine months. Uh, he's precious. And so, yeah, that's us. And we actually wanted to just start off with discussion right away. So your first discussion questioning, or do we only have one nice outfit? We're both wearing the same jackets <laughs> uh, in this photo. No. In all reality, now that that bit's done, I'm taking mine off. I'm so hot. But no, we're really excited to be with you all this morning and continue and wrap up our uh, two-part series on Habakkuk. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the really light topic of evil. And so if you're having a great morning, leave it at the door. It's over. We're talking about evil. No, I'm kidding. We're going to learn amazing truths about God in light of evil. And I really believe that these verses, um, and I pray that in light of these verses, you'll leave here with your faith really strengthened. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into it. Um, we're going to look first at five truths about evil um, and truths about God in light of the evil. And then we're going to look at our response and how we can rejoice and find our strength in the Lord. Um, and I feel like it's a little bit of like bad cop, good cop, because I got the five points about evil and Shanae gets to walk us through our discussion on um, <laughs> the, how we can rejoice and find our strength, which probably suits our personalities and our giftings, if you know us. So, but before we get started talking about God and evil, I want to address this problem that I think is really prevalent among us of creating a false image of God to find comfort in. Um, and we, we saw this last week in Habakkuk when um, we saw some verses about idols. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation, but he makes speechless idols. But the Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? What good does it do to worship a God that's like some image you've conjured up in your own mind about who he is? We want to worship the one true God, right? And so it's pretty tempting when you look at the evil around us to ask this, this question of, I can't believe in a God who, you know, you probably heard friends say that, you've probably said that, I can't believe in a God who allows evil, uses evil, allows war, allows famine, like some really hard questions that you've probably considered, um, and I've considered too. But I want us to remember the God who exists is better than any God that we can just imagine, and so let's make sure that we, we focus on and learn about the one true God who exists and not, you know, come into this with some preconceived notion of the God we want to serve, right? Okay. So we're going to look at three points here from Habakkuk 1 through 2 about evil, and then two points in chapter 3, which we're looking at this morning, um, before we break for some discussion. So the first point I want to talk about here is that God allows evil. And honestly, this is probably the easiest point to get across, hopefully, because you can just look around and see the evil around you, right? And so if we, if we believe that a God exists, an all-powerful God exists, and we can look around and obviously see the evil then it just, it's common sense, right, that God must be allowing this evil to happen because he could, he could step in and intercede. 
And we see this in Habakkuk too, when he, you know, at the very beginning of the book says, um, why do you look idly at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So Habakkuk sees the evil around him and he sees that God is there and he asks God, why haven't you done anything, right? He doesn't explain away God or explain away the evil. And he probably asks the question that we all ask ourselves, right? Why, why isn't he doing anything? The second point we see, as we kind of like worked through Habakkuk last week, is that God uses evil. Now, you know, with the disclaimer of not endorsing it, but not only does he allow it, he uses it. Um, we see this with the Chaldeans when um, it talks about God raising up the Chaldeans, these evil, awful people known for their destruction and rape and, of nations, you know, and God raises these people up to judge Israel for their wrongs. Um, we see this in Habakkuk 1 where it says, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Um, he shows the Israelites the consequences and horror of their own sin, and he uses evil, wicked people um, to bring about that judgment. Now, at the same time, he's perfectly good and doesn't endorse the evil, which brings us to our third point that we saw from the beginning of Habakkuk here, of he judges the evil, including the Chaldeans. We see this partially fulfilled in Habakkuk 2, when you know, there's a huge section on the woes that will come to the Chaldeans for their, um, for their evilness and their wickedness, and this actually happened. The Chaldeans were destroyed in 539 BC after God used them to pass judgment on Israel. So while he used the evil, he does not condone it and he does judge it in the end. Um, we say here that they will be spoiled, the remnants of their people shall be plundered, the, Lord, the cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to them, utter shame will come to them. They were judged harshly for their evil and their wickedness, just not in the time of Habakkuk. Um, and I think, you know, like Kevin talked about last week, we, some of our true hope is in the judgment to come, although we do see some today, right? We do see some justice and some judgment of evil. Some evil people do get punished. Some evil is caught, but not all of it, right? And so our, our, our true hope is in um, the temporary evil that will be wiped out when Christ returns. We see this in Revelation 20, like Kevin talked about. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire forever. There is ultimately a final judgment. So that's kind of the, the two or the three points we saw from the beginning of Habakkuk, as Habakkuk really lays out the there's a lot of evil around us, and how does God, you know, interact with that? And so we're gonna look at, you know, now in chapter three, two more points about evil. But before we like dive into that, I do want to just make kind of like a side note that as believers, we should just praise God that our evil and wickedness, like the judgment was not poured out on us for that, right? Like the, the evil that we were once dead in, Christ set us free from and took the punishment. So while this morning we are focusing on like the evil around us and God in light of that, it's important also to remember that like we don't receive the justice that we deserve, right? Christ received it for us. So I think that's an important point. So today we're in Habakkuk 3. And um, Habakkuk 3 is a beautiful prayer sung as a hymn. Um, if you look at that first part of the chapter there, it's a, it's a hard to translate word, and so they often leave it untranslated, shigianoth, um, but most people think it means to praise with strong emotion, to sing this strong with, with song emotion, strong emotion. It's also, to kind of keep with the text, I'm going to sing Habakkuk 3 for us here. <laughs> I'm kidding, nobody, nobody wants that. But I do want to read the whole text, and I want us to remember that this is like a song, like in light of all this evil, here's this song praising God. Um, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. 
In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. Salah. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there, was his and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion and affliction and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses or your chariots of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, Salah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and rise. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Salah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. To the choir master with stringed instrument. So it's a beautiful song, and I just wanted to like break it down a little here for a second. So the first part introduces the hymn. Then the second verse um, sees Habakkuk recognizing the Lord's might, and he fears, and he petitions and asks the Lord for mercy. Um, then three through seven, we see this, these images of God's awesome appearance among the earth. Then in eight through 15, his amazing, powerful actions on the earth. And it all kind of culminates in verses 16 and 19, which is where we're gonna focus on the second half this morning, where because of who our God is in light of all, it's really a beautiful song. Um, so we looked at from the first part of the book, God allows, uses, and judges evil. And then the first part of the hymn here, we see how he reigns over everything and conquers evil. So we see how he reigns over everything in a few places at the beginning. And Honestly, the, this middle part of the song here could probably be several sermons. It, it really relates back to Exodus and the Israelites' escape from Egypt with lots of beautiful imagery um, about God reigning over everything and what he looks like. But I kind of just wanted to just grab one for the sake of time, and it's the very first verse here where it talks about God coming from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran, and his brightness was like the light. And this, these are the mountains to the east of the Israelites when they would have been in captivity in Egypt. And it's this image of while they're in captivity, being punished, they're slaves, they're surrounded by evil, but the, the sun rises over these mountains and bathes them in light. And it's the same imagery of God reigning over all of us. As he, as he rises like the sun, he reigns in the midst of our trouble um, and bathes us with light. So that's just one example from that, that first section of him reigning. Um, and then here again, we see in the second part here, him reigning over everything as um, the earth sees how powerful God is and sees this awesome appearance of God and, and trembles and shakes. Nothing, nothing, the earth is no match for God and even these inanimate objects, these rocks, these mountains, like tremble before how powerful our God is. 
Um, so it's this really beautiful song and imagery describing God and how he reigns over everything. And then before we get to the, the end there, we see that God conquers evil. And this part really relates back again to Pharaoh and the Exodus and how we see God conquering evil and rescuing his people from there. Um, but we can also sing this song and read this and pray, you know, knowing that God partially rescued us when, um, well, he rescued us fully from the punishment of death and he's coming back to rescue us from evil once and for all. And so while this relates back to like the Israelites in Egypt, um, it's also a cool song that we can sing and pray and look forward to the, when God comes back and conquers evil, you know, once and for all. So we have a few discussion questions for you guys, kind of looking first there at, you know, who God is and how we can trust him in light of the evil all around us. And then we're gonna look at the ending of the song when we come back. Well, we are hoping so far that you guys are feeling very assured in the God that exists, in the God that loves you, in the God that saves you. This is the God who we worship and his awesome appearance and his actions, they show us that he reigns over everything and that he conquers evil. And this is a God that we can really put our faith in. This is a God that we can talk to about injustice and evil, and we really can live by faith in him. And so that is something that Habakkuk hears from God in Habakkuk 2.14, that the righteous shall live by their faith. And that is something that we are called as well to do. Yes, is to live by faith in this God. So really this whole hymn is like building up to this final portion and really the whole book of Habakkuk is building up to this life-changing truth and this example that we have of Habakkuk that even if everything in life is going horrible, even if evil surrounds us, we can be strengthened by God. We can live by faith in God. And so let's read verses 16 through 19. It says, I hear, this is Habakkuk, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with string instruments. So we've seen how God allows, uses, and judges evil. And we've seen how God reigns over everything and conquers evil on our behalf. So now let's talk about living by faith in this God. So this is so encouraging. Habakkuk gives us a little insight into how he's feeling. He says, I hear, when I hear of the destruction coming upon my people, when I hear of the destruction even that you are going to bring upon the Chaldeans, he hears and his body trembles. His lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into his bones. His legs tremble beneath me. Um, I picture his voice even shakier than mine is right now, thinking about this evil surrounding him. Yet, he says, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. And so if you have felt like your mind is swirling with confusion, or maybe even that your physical body is riddled with anxiety, you are not alone. And Habakkuk can relate, so many people in this room can relate, this world is full of evil. Yet, what do we quietly wait for? 
Well, we quietly wait for the Lord's justice. We quietly wait for the Lord to move, for God to do something on our behalf. It might not be on earth or soon, but like Kevin said last week, we can trust that even if we don't see it, or even if it's not how we pictured our lives to be, God is working, and we can wait for him to bring justice. We see in these next verses, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So we see that when everything around us fails, we can rejoice in the Lord. So that means when all of your best efforts, you doing the most for your school, for your family, for your friends, for your career, for your success, when you're doing the most and everything is failing, when you feel like, yeah, everything is just crumbling around you or you are waking up and you genuinely feel like there is nothing good in my life or there is no joy to be had today, um, there is a way to rejoice in the Lord. And what, what are we rejoicing in? Well, we're rejoicing that there is a God who knows you by name. We're rejoicing in a God who says that he is near to us. He draws near to the brokenhearted. That's even a specific uh, special command that we know, a promise that we know. We rejoice knowing that he does provide for us, um, that he does give us what we need, and he blesses us abundantly more than we deserve. We rejoice knowing that he gives us his spirit, like we'll talk about in a second, he has given us his spirit to strengthen us, to remind us of truth, to remind us of these promises, to give us peace, to give us joy. Um, this is what we can rejoice in. And ultimately, we can rejoice in our salvation. We can any day, at any time, look to the cross, see the greatest display of love that has ever been shown. We can see God take on flesh, take on our sin, and die in our place, and we can rejoice that we do not have to pay the penalty for our sin, that on judgment day, we can stand before God and our slate be wiped clean because Jesus paid it all, and we have a secure future home with God, and that is something to rejoice in. And then this last verse, Habakkuk, after all of this, he declares that God, the Lord, is his strength, that he makes his feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. This is crazy, and this really is the most profound truth that we're hoping stays with you, that God is our strength, that even if we are walking in the valley of the shadow of death, even there, God finds us and revives us. Even there, we yeah, it's hard. I mean, this world is hard. I can think of a few examples from my week of just times where I felt like evil was surrounding me. Um, I felt like injustice was surrounding me and I wasn't able to protect my family. I wasn't able to control what was gonna happen to my family and trembling even just with sadness. But no matter what we're going through, no matter what each one of you in here is going through, the only thing that works is that God strengthens us. I don't know if you've tried other things. I don't know if you stuck to a good workout routine instead to try to strengthen yourself, but really the only thing 
that works is that God strengthens us and his spirit strengthens us. And while we cannot control God, we cannot control what's around us, our surroundings, the people around us, or even ourselves or our future, we can put our faith in the God who is in control. We can put our faith in the one who holds the world in his hands, the one that has my name written on his palms and your name written on his palms. And this is the God that we can look to, pray to, under, know that he understands us, plead for mercy from, recall his great works. Um, this is the God that we can have faith in, the one that exists, the one that saves. So I wanna leave y'all with one of our favorite verses 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so this week, I mean, I personally have experienced this chapter of scripture deeply speak to my heart and remind me of the God that we worship. And that's something that God promises to do through scripture, through his spirit, through other people. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit about how to just apply this in discussion. But we just want to leave you with this profound truth that anything Satan designs for your misery God actually designs for your strength. God can actually use to strengthen you. Um, and that is so hopeful. And so in this week, we are just praying that instead of seeing the world around us or seeing our failure or the things that are disappointing us and wallowing in misery, that we actually choose faith, that we choose to trust in God and really put put our faith in him. So I, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to talk about this with the people around you and really spur each other on towards um, action, towards putting your faith in, in the Lord.